and I entered a talent search that I saw on Instagram. They wanted to find like the next R&B superstar from ages like 13 to 19 or something. Oh, wow. I was like, okay, this is probably gonna result in absolutely nothing. And then they called me. <laughs> the reason that I have garnered a little bit of success from there is because I would post just videos of me singing them. Like the reason it all started is because I just, I posted one video of me singing a song that I really wasn't a huge fan of and that I didn't have many plans on releasing. So how do you deal with that like pressure? Um, It was uh, probably not well, to be honest. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Untapped Potential Podcast, where we interview visionaries from the Pacific Northwest. Today, our special guest is Anna Thompson, an up-and-coming pop artist from the Seattle area. In this episode, we talk about how Anna got a record deal at the age of 16, how she took a break from high school in order to pursue her music career, and how TikTok is changing the music industry. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our channel and hit that like button. Now let's get into the episode. What's up, y'all? Untapped Potential Podcast here with Anna Thompson. What's going on, Anna? What's going on? Thank you so much for having welcome me. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. How are you doing today? Pretty good. You yeah. know, everything's on fire right now. I feel but... that. Seriously. <laughs> Man, well, let's just dive right in. You know, you got okay. a lot, you know, your story has a lot of, you know, different pockets that we want to dive into, but let's just start at the beginning. So where did your musical journey start? So my musical journey began when I was about three or four years old and I started doing musical theater and I did that for several years until when I was 11 years old, a school of rock location opened in Bellevue oh, cool. where I lived and um, my mom like forced me to go like I did not want to go I had a zero interest in pursuing this um but she signed me up and then she kept signing me up for more programs and I like hated it and I was so reluctant and then eventually I just kind of fell in love with it and I loved performing with a band I loved rock music I was like learning so much about music theory and how to perform like not with a, by, by a script in a musical theater so yeah that was really really beneficial to like me learning how to use my instrument and how to perform. Um, and then when I was 16, I was offered a record contract from a major record wow. label. Wow. Oh, Lord. And I uh, actually stopped going to high school in order to pursue that. And I was working in LA and then coming back here. Um, and yeah, and then I started making pop music and I started learning how to like be a recording artist. And yeah, now here I am. That didn't work out. And then I started pursuing music independently so yeah that's kind of like the cliff notes version of right. wow a lot of a lot of milestones in <laughs> yeah that i want to dive sure. deeper into those things though so <laughs> what was the big like did you have a fa like family background like does your family you know are they involved in music and stuff um to some degree nobody in my family has pursued it professionally to like the degree that i have but um my grandmother plays the, the guitar and she's beautiful voice and she also has perfect pitch and I inherited that, which is super awesome. What oh, is that? Perfect pitch, otherwise known as absolute hearing. Um, it's like this weird phenomenon where sometimes kids who are exposed to music at a young age, they can uh, develop the ability to identify pitches without a reference. Oh, oh wow. that's um, Charlie Puth does yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Charlie Puth has it. And do I didn't know that I had it until I was like 14. But. Did you hear like, do you, 
every time like a random bell rings, can you just like right away? Like, yeah. that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. How did you discover that you had it? At um, when I was in School of Rock, there were tons of kids who had perfect pitch and I had like no idea what that was because I wasn't really into music theory as much as the other kids at first. Um, and then when I sort of started to learn like what notes were and like what a, you know, D flat sounded like, then I was like, oh, I actually don't need to refer to the piano to figure this out. And I could always find like middle C, like, like that's middle C. And, um, and I was like, oh, I actually just know where all the other notes are. And then oh. I realized that I was just like all the other kids in my band. <laughs> it was pretty cool. How many instruments do you know how to play? None. None. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I, I, I'm, I'm a little humble when it comes to my ability to play the keyboard because I do not think I'm very good at playing the piano at all. <laughs> but um, I can use it to get by. I write on the oh. piano, but I'm by no means like mechanically skilled on the piano my grandmother however is and um so she played a lot of instruments and my mom also sang a little bit but other than that there wasn't like a whole lot of music in my family but they were always incredibly supportive of me pursuing it gotcha and you mentioned you didn't really like the school of rock like at first yeah. the idea of going there what made you like start enjoying it once you were there um i think i just had like a huge guard up because i hadn't been exposed to very many genres of music and I really wanted to just like fit in the box that I'd put myself in thus far, which was musical theater. And like my favorite artists were Katy Perry, Kesha and 303. And that's oh, okay. all I wanted to listen to. And they were not playing any of those songs in School of Rock. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I didn't know how to sing the songs. I didn't really enjoy listening to them as much. But then when I kind of like learned more about the the uh, like sonical intricacies of all of the music that we were listening to and playing. It was, it was really, really cool. And I think after like the first few shows is when I really fell in love with it because I got to like sing for people and I got to just, it was, it was more of like a free flowing situation as opposed to, like I mentioned previously, like following a script in right. theater. Right. So that was really cool. Cause we could just like be ourselves and it wasn't like just me, like me and all my friends were like, got all nervous together before our gigs. It was super fun. That's, That's cool. awesome. Yeah. So between School of Rock and when you got a record label deal, like what happened in that process to lead up to that? Um, so I had continued doing School of Rock from the age of 11 till I was 17. So I was there oh, for wow. like six years. And it's basically just like an after school program. So I was still in middle mm. school and uh, high school eventually. And I would do that after school. But um, I think it was my it was my junior year of high school. I was still in school of rock. I was still going to school and I entered a talent search that I saw on Instagram and it was like, it was around by this record label. They wanted to find like the next R&B superstar from ages like 13 to 19 or something. Oh, wow. mm. And I was like, okay, this is probably going to result in absolutely nothing. And then they called me. <laughs> and wow. then, yeah. And then they, uh, they flew me out and a bunch of other kids and we did like a showcase for a bunch of the label executives. This is the first time I'd ever been in LA. Then they put us all in a studio, never been in a studio in my entire life. Uh, never sang a pop song <laughs> either. So, um, then we were cutting pop records that they just already had. And, uh, then they narrowed it down to seven. Then they narrowed it down to me. Wow. How did you deal with that pressure, though? Because those were two new, well, three new things, really. First time in L.A., first time in a studio, first time recording a pop record. Yeah. And you got chosen. So how do you deal with that, like, pressure? Um, It was 
probably not well, to be honest. I, I broke down a lot and I was honestly pretty miserable because I ended up leaving high school and like I had no friends because nobody had time to hang out with me mm-hmm. and nobody really like related to me either because the line of work that I was getting into wasn't what everybody else was pursuing. So yeah. it was it was pretty tough, to be honest. I was very excited at first, but um, yeah, I kind of got like with the label that I was working with, it didn't end up working out because we couldn't find the sound. So not only was I really a really lonely kid, um, I was a really lonely artist because I couldn't do anything right. And nothing was really landing. So you said they couldn't find you guys couldn't find the sound. What yeah, exactly no do you mean by that? Um, well, a lot of the times when artists are first signed, if they haven't already like blown up on TikTok, for example, um, there's a pretty big period of time in which development occurs. And um, yeah, it's like it can be six months. It can be four years. Um, but basically, um whatever team that you're working with is constantly working uh, with or like putting you in the room with a bunch of different people, like different producers, different writers. And you're just kind of trying everything. You're cutting other people's songs. You're writing your own. And um, eventually with like the end goal of finding the sound. And I looked everywhere. I could not find it. I don't know where it was. <laughs> um, and I found it later on my, on my own when I became independent, but it was like, None none of the records really sounded similar to each other. They weren't like that good either. So <laughs> Gotcha. That can be pretty isolating too. I mean, especially since like it doesn't sound like you had a close group of friends in high school and just having that whole experience, just the progression of it just seems like very isolated. Was there like a like were your parents like with you the whole time or like a, they a big support system for you? Yeah, yeah. My parents were there through and through because I was a minor so right. they had to come with me and like all my meetings and talking to my lawyer and all of that so they were very present and I'm really really grateful that they were like able to to be there for me um were there times where it felt like they just were like in over their heads with everything going on in like the industry or like kind of managing your career a little bit or you know I don't think so I think my parents embraced it almost more so than I did um hmm. My dad is my business partner now. He helps me with everything. He, oh, that's awesome. He yeah. learned like everything about the industry through that experience with the label. Um, and he really, he re- he got really into it and he started doing tons of research, reading lots of books. Wow. And um, a lot of the times, like if I have a question that's like too technical that I don't feel like figuring out, he probably already knows the answer yeah. and he'll just figure it out for me. That's cool. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really awesome. Yeah. I'm very, very lucky. Yeah. Was that similar to like his line of work before or like, no, no he just kind of completely picked up a brand new field yeah. to help and support you. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's real support. That's yeah, cool. it's awesome. And now, especially because I'm independent, it's just me. Like I don't have an entire team of people yeah. Um, when it comes to having to do a bunch of things and then like also have like a day job. Like um, yeah. he can I can text him and be like, hey, I need help you know, doing research on this thing that I know nothing about. He's like, got it. That's cool. <laughs> Figures right. it out. So it's it's really awesome. Yeah. So the record deal thing falls falls through in LA. Mm-hmm. You move back out here mm-hmm. to the Seattle area. Yeah. What's next? Oh, uh, I went back to high school. I wanted to graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh and I 
ended up like cramming my entire senior year into like two months because I really wanted to graduate on time. Um, So I graduated in 2019, like right before the pandemic started. So I didn't have to endure any of like the remote learning. Um, So that was really cool. And then I was just kind of like, I kind of had a year where I was just like being a, a teenager and just like hanging out with people, making new friends. Uh, and then in like August of 2020, I ended up going to an artist retreat that I was invited to. And I met for the very first time, like producers in Seattle that make pop music. A friend of the person who was organizing it, like followed me on Instagram. And um, she's so real for this. But yeah, she she like sent him my Instagram. I was like, you should invite this girl. And yeah, and then I, I said yes. And I came out and I met... Um, I met Fluency, who produced like the majority of my records that I have out, yeah. and we just like instantly clicked, and we made a song called Telepathically, and I was like, I felt so free. It was so liberating. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to be signed to a record label to make music. Like It's literally the yeah. same as when I was in LA. It's just there's not a bunch of people with a bunch of money involved. Right. Like, it's just me. What's some of the red tape that you don't have to face now with like releasing your own music? Because I heard like... You know, when you're signing a label, like they won't re- allow you to release it uh, for certain dates or like there's some sort of like restrictions there. Yeah, there are. And I mean, there are still kind of like unwritten rules that like you should follow when you're independent mm. in terms of like when to release. Like it's always good to drop on a Friday and you'll you'll kind of see that trend always. But um, <clears throat> and like also feeding into Spotify's algorithm because you don't have the connections that a label does at Spotify. Mm. Um like being consistent, which I'm not being. Like it's it's really good to drop every month because to my knowledge, the Spotify algorithm will punish you for not releasing consistently. Unless, yeah. of course, you're like signed to a label who knows somebody at Spotify that can put you on New Music Friday every yeah. time you release. Oh, <laughs> I see. The I feel like everything's an algorithm. Seriously, now. yeah. I've never heard TikTok. it. We've never talked to anybody about like Spotify algorithms. But oh yeah. I mean, yeah, it makes sense that they have one too. And like yeah, everybody does. Yeah. Is the big thing on Spotify like getting featured on playlists and just recommended songs? Yeah, there's thing? there's a lot of things. Um there's like there's a lot of mechanics at play as far as Spotify goes. Uh one of which is editorial playlisting, which is like your new music Friday and your your fresh finds and like chosen by Spotify teams and you can you pitch your songs to editorial every time that you oh. that you release a song and um the same thing happens with with labels as well, but the difference with the labels is is they have like an internal pitching system because, well, I mean if they're if they're a major label, they'll have like a internal pitching system that gets to Spotify quicker and will get in front of the right people and has far more likelihood to succeed in getting you placed. But every time you release, you want to pitch your song regardless, and you get to like write a little like two hundred word blurb, and then you just like hope. I've never placed an editorial playlist. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, who knows? Maybe that is subject to change eventually. That's a big goal of mine. But the other uh, really big thing at play is uh, algorithmic playlisting, which is going to be like your Discover Weekly. Those ones are very heavily uh, reliant on the algorithm. So if you reach a certain milestone with your release organically, like for example, like uh, don't quote me on these exact numbers, but like if you're song gets some attention on like tiktok and you get ten thousand streams then spotify is going to put that record in discover weekly to a bunch of people who Mm. 
listen to similar artists that those people listen to. And then if people hear that and they're Discover Weekly and then they like it or, you know, save it to their library, then it's going to get pushed more. And then it kind of goes and goes. And if you like look at your analytics, you can kind of see uh, like a bunch of trends and bumps like certain days. Songs are pushed to certain playlists. Um, and it goes up and down and then like randomly, like the other day, one of my songs hit like a hundred K and, um, it like got thrown in discover weekly big time and then it went back down, but it's like those little milestones kind of depend on where you're going to go. And was that unexpected for you or? I mean, I kind of expected it. Cause at this point I've, I've released a good amount of singles and done the whole, yeah. because that's the thing, like you have to release every month if you want to make Spotify happy and you're not signed. Right. Interesting. So just like the frequency of how much you publish content yeah. just is pretty much the only way you can get visibility mm -hmm. as an artist. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that because you mentioned on your TikToks a lot, like the pre-saves and how um, basically if you don't have a viral TikTok song, like it's not, it's yep. going to be mm -hmm. super difficult for you. Yeah, it's over. Like how has TikTok really changed the music landscape? Yeah. So my, myself and so many other artists really face a lot of obstacles when it comes to social media, TikTok especially. TikTok has completely flipped the climate of the music industry upside down. Um, for better and for worse, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for TikTok because the reason that any of my songs have any attention at all is because they like blew up on TikTok. I don't know if you can say they blew up, but they, you know, got enough attention that it drove traffic to my pre-save link. And then in turn fed into the Spotify algorithm because Spotify is getting saves on a song. Mm. But yeah, TikTok, as we know it, is the end all be all to whether or not a record is going to do well. And if you're lucky and your record hits and you're independent, you will get a record deal. Like they will sign you just on that. And we've uh, like you can see lots of trends like from when TikTok really started to take off in like 2020 with with artists um, like all of these artists were getting so many streams just by themselves because TikTok was just showing it to 10 million people like, you know, by a stroke of luck or whatever. And then the labels would be like, oh, my gosh, like they can do this without us. Like, that's crazy. And then they'd sign these people. But then TikTok, like the algorithm would change and then they wouldn't give views anymore. And then the artists would get dropped. It's happened so many times. And um but yeah, like any song, regardless of like how objectively good or bad it is, if it has enough pre-saves, Spotify likes it. Like all of the DSPs like it because it's going to drive traffic. It might get editorial and the labels are going to pick up that artist and then they're going to offer them a deal and then they're going to release it and then they're going to take advantage of that. And on the flip side, artists that are, have like already been signed to labels, um, these labels are paying tons of money for these TikTok campaigns. Like mm -hmm. millions, like yeah. so much money, more than you could ever imagine into TikTok. They reach out to influencers and they offer them money to use the sound. And then like a trend is born. And right. it's unclear to me whether or not like those influencers are making the trends and like that's what they're being paid to do or if somebody else is figuring out this trend and like paying all these people. But yeah, labels go to influencers and say, use this sound on TikTok. And yeah. they take advantage of their following because all these people have... Like they're just a bunch of kids with like a million followers on yeah. TikTok. It's just like free advertising. That's so crazy, crazy how much money flows into that, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like us as content creators, right? We understand algorithms and how like advertising marketing campaigns work. But the typical consumer who's not really evolved in creating content doesn't really get it. And they're just seeing these sounds and they're like, oh, wow, this artist must be really good because their song's all over the place. Yeah. Whereas maybe that's not 100% true. Maybe it just means like, you know, they're 
you know, record deal, like company, <laughs> like put so much money to get TikTok to like blow up. Yeah, for sure. I think like there, there are definitely artists who just like blew up randomly that yeah. didn't have any connections. I mean, like myself, like I did not, nobody paid for me to get a million views on TikTok. That just like happened. But because that happened to me and a bunch of other people and it became successful for them, these labels really want to take advantage of that because that's where people find music now. Mm-hmm. So there, there are probably a ton of like really popular like radio records that did really well on TikTok that probably wouldn't have done as well if those labels weren't investing in that avenue for advertising. For the um, the TikTok sounds that blew up for you, was it did it blow up because of a piece of content you created, or did you just randomly see other people like use your songs? So I actually haven't really had any of my original sounds or like my actual songs blow up on TikTok. The reason that I have garnered a little bit of success from there is because I would post just videos of me singing them. Oh, I see. Um, and then people would be like, oh, I like this. And like the reason it all started is because I just I posted one video of me singing a song that I really wasn't a huge fan of and that I didn't have many plans on releasing. It's called Gimme High. And um, I just I like messed up a ton in the video and I, just, I posted it and it got like half a million views in like a day. Wow. And wow. I was like, what the heck? Like, this isn't even supposed to be on the album. Like, I don't want to <laughs> record this. <laughs> and so then I did, you know, I, I put a pre-save link up and I got like 600 pre-saves in like 30 minutes. And I was like, wow, what? And um, this is before I'd released any music. And um. Yeah, and it wasn't like the actual record. It was just a video of me singing it. And um, then eventually I got the record ready and then I tried to really ride the wave and get people's attention and be like, here it is. I made it. I made it a sound. The sound didn't really take off or anything. But because I had those pre-saves, the Spotify algorithm really came in handy. And because it was like a brand new artist page, it was just like thrown right on into Discover Weekly. It got like 10,000 streams a day. And yeah. Yeah, and that song now, Get Me uh, High, is doing numbers on Spotify. I took a look yeah. and it's over a million, probably mm-hmm. almost even two million. It's almost two million. Yeah, and it's off of your EPS centerpiece, right? Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about that because we were actually okay. listening to it on the way here. And I really Thank like you. your sounds. And I just want to ask you kind of like, who are your biggest inspirations kind of sonically? Mm, um, So many because of the diverse like musical background that I've kind of experienced, but... Uh, vocally, Ariana Grande is certainly my biggest inspiration. I worked really hard um, to really emulate her technique and her sound because I just find her technical ability like so admirable. And um, like when I was 15, I would have died to sound like her. I quit smoking cigarettes to sound like her. Do your thing, young homie. Like I wow. went to great lengths <laughs> to sound like her. That's dedication. And, um, I mean, now that I'm an adult, I don't like want to sound exactly like her but her ability inspired me to really improve my voice um but other than her uh i am really inspired by radiohead like that's kind of how i started writing um i thought their songs were really interesting and a lot of the times i did not understand what they were saying and i was like oh that'd be cool i could just like write things and nobody has to understand what it means (laughs) so No, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, my girlfriend's a huge Ariana Grande fan, so we were yeah. listening to you on the way here. We were listening to Get Me High. She was like, play it again. Just play it again. 
play again. <laughs> like, no kidding. Oh so my gosh, that's so it's nice. It's really cool. So you, you're mission accomplished, right? You know? Good. Um, <laughs> but going back to Centerpiece, I want to ask you, where was kind of your headspace when you were, you know, writing the songs for that album? Um, So that entire album is just... A, a love story yeah. and um yeah about me and my partner who is the best ever and it was yeah like front to back it's just all these songs that i wrote when i was um quarantining in 2020 and i um yeah i was just i was thinking about him a lot he was my ex at the time and mm-hmm. um he was on the brain so then i started having um or started writing songs about thinking about him and then we eventually reconnected and now we've been together for uh, a couple years and um yeah it was just really really inspired by my love for him and falling in love with him again and just all the things that we experienced together and like that first little chunk of us rekindling things and yeah so that's like a really special one it's like all for him it's why that's why it's called centerpiece because i was writing it and i was like he is just like the centerpiece of this project. Well, normally when I hear uh, people writing about exes, it's in a negative, <laughs> yeah. negative sense, you know? Here's Johnny. <laughs> so I'm glad this is a positive story. Yeah. I want to talk about your music videos. I don't know if we can pull some some up here. Okay. <laughs> um, I really like the style and I know you work really? with Justin yeah. a lot. It, it's like when I watch the videos, it almost feels like it's very, like whimsical, like dreamy almost. Mm-hmm. It Was that the style that you intended for it? Like you were stepping into like a dream? Yeah, for sure. Um, the first, uh, those, those two shoots for my first two music videos, which are telepathically and dreams about him. We did those back to back and we did that in December of 2020, the week before Get Me High came out. So I had no music out and I oh, was wow. putting out, I was recording my first music video and releasing my first song in like one day and i was in like a motel in tri-cities by myself (laughs) in the snow and it was it was wild that's a story right there i love it like this is all like super well done thanks i think we we recorded these ones like a year ago i believe what was that like for you like being in a music video i mean you're literally acting right there's like a (laughs) storyline and stuff so what was that experience um it was really weird the first few times this video that we're watching we're currently watching my music video for robot this was the second time around that i had ever recorded a music video so i kind of got the got the hang of it but at first it was really surreal seeing myself uh on camera like in the monitors and being like oh my god is that me it's always kind of it's kind of the same feeling that you get like when you hear yourself on a professional recording for the first time yeah you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Like, that's that's me. Um, but yeah, like all, all of these like whimsical visuals, like this one telepathically, this is one of my favorite songs that I ever made. This is the first song I ever made as an indie artist. And this is what I intended to be the debut single. But Get Me High happened. So that had to happen first. Um, but yeah, Get Me High was coming out and we were recording this music video for telepathically. Justin conceptualized a ton of the visual ideas. Um, I basically told him, I was like, I like pink and sparkles and uh, I really like some of the aesthetics from Euphoria. And he was like, cool. So that's what it was. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this. I love this video so much. I think this might be one of my favorites. And um, then the video for Dreams About Him, which we shot at the same time. Uh, that one, I actually did have an idea. Like there, I had this random 
image of like this chaotic bedroom that my friend had sent me that she like found on Pinterest at one point. And I like sent it to him. I was like, can we shoot it in this? And he was like, yeah. And then he literally built it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then we shot it on that. That's cool. So you kind of drove the concept for this one. Yeah. More. And like all of these B-roll shots are like, you know, we really wanted to capture the the detail that they put into the set. It was in, insane. Like the little Legos glued to the wall. I did not come up with that, but I just sent them a picture. I did minimal effort when it came to this. They really carried. Um, yeah, it was, this was awesome. Yeah, this is my this was my first time like in front of a camera, so it was. Yeah, what a set too. It's interesting. To be yeah, in front of a camera with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. That's awesome. And so, kind of to segue just a little bit, but yeah, for sure. You know, you uh, were a contestant on American Idol. Yes, I was. Yes. Can you, you want to talk a little bit about that, your experience? Yeah, season um, 20 of American Idol. Um, and it was really crazy because I grew up watching American Idol. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was cast for the show. Unfortunately, none of my performances made air, um, but I did manage to get some of the images. So I kind of decided to announce it regardless. I think they showed like three seconds of me talking about TikTok, which is so funny because we just had like a full <laughs> in-depth conversation about TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a clip like Luke Bryan was like, are you on the TikToks? And, oh. <laughs> and then Katie was like, you sound old. They didn't show that part. But, <laughs> but then I was like, yeah, TikTok is great and I love it. Um, <laughs> free, free ad right there, <laughs> and that's all they showed. And then they showed like a compilation of all of the other contestants that had like blown up on TikTok because the entire cast was just people that they found on TikTok. <laughs> so. That's yeah. crazy. So that's how they found. Or I guess you submitted your your um your I guess resume to the show. Or no, I actually um I had been working with the casting producer that cast me for season twenty for several years. She actually oh, reached wow. out to me. Uh, several years ago and I actually like went through the entire audition process before and I made it to like the executive producer round right before the on-camera auditions and then eventually the executive producer said no but um then the casting director hit me up again and was like yo what's up do you want to try idol again and I was like sure why not um and so yeah they I think I, I sang for them like one time on, on Zoom and then they were like, yeah, come on out. And then I went and I did the auditions. Uh, I was first the day that I was doing the auditions. Like I was the very first one. Oh, so wow. Did you camp <laughs> out the night before or like was it like you're already like number one? In yeah, line? you. there's there's a few days of filming that happen. Um, You know, there's so many people you don't film it all in one day and you got to do like some interviews and some B-roll. But yeah, I luckily we all had a, a day to to chill. Oh, OK, good. Um, yeah, we had a day just like in LA. We got to stay in like a five star hotel, which was super cool. Yeah, and I got to bring my partner, which was really awesome. And so that was him and I's first time in LA, which was that's real really cool. special. And uh, yeah, it was crazy being on like a full fledged uh, television set. You know, reality TV. It's pretty. It's a whole other you know thing we could do an entire separate interview just about right. like the, <laughs> the intricacies of reality television. Um. But yeah, I was first that day. So it's like 11 in the morning. I'm like freaking out. And um, yeah, the judges were like just coming to set since I was first. And um, they like they sat down and then they like sent me into the room where we filmed them. And uh, I actually didn't sing for like a minute because they were like just 
you know, set up. settling in. Yeah. So they were like talking amongst themselves and I was like, and you're just standing there. Yeah, that must like, be super <laughs> nerve wracking. <laughs> no, it is. And like, I'm just like, oh yeah, what's up? It's Katy Perry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's cool. Wild. But, um, you know, the most shocking thing that I would, I need to share this weird thing that I discovered being on idol when you're in the audition room, the the judges are like right in front of you um it's just like a like a little studio and lights and whatever and then the background um but the judges are mic'd and they are amplifying their voices like to you so they're right in front of you like super brightly lit but then their voices are just like booming and it's just like these weird like godlike <laughs> figureheads like speaking at you and it feels very disorienting because you're already in like incredible shock from like walking into this surreal environment and now these judges are like speaking like a hundred decibels louder than they should be <laughs> that's crazy wow and so how far are you uh, were away from them like how far was it like eight feet oh so oh, they're wow. right in front of you, but they have like mics that are going throughout the entire room and you're oh. not. So you can hear yourself like normally, but they're like really loud. Oh, yeah. I can see how that's disorienting. You're for like, sure. whoa, what is happening? Like, <laughs> <all of> your- <laughs> so that was like the weirdest takeaway from Idol. But yeah, I got uh, three S's and I got my little golden ticket. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, then a few months later, I came back out for Hollywood week. Uh, I... The first round is called Genre Round, and I was in the pop genre, and I sang Bad Romance by Lady Gaga, and I did really bad. I <laughs> like the, <laughs> the feeling after I completed that performance was like the most intense shame I'd ever felt in my entire oh, life no. because I like the entire audience is the other contestants, and everybody there is like so good. They're like stupid good, and I was like, wow, I just sounded really bad in front of all of these really good people but for some reason i was spared and i was like the only or i was one of two people in like my line that made it through wow and katie katie was like Anna, step forward and i was like <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> and yeah and then i made it through the next round which was duet rounds um and that round is actually insane i don't know if you've like watched idol or if you know like the format of the show but i know a little yeah. bit of the format but for those that don't is the duets where you go with another contestant and you guys sing together yeah okay. so duet round happens it's the second round of hollywood week at least for that season they change the format a lot but um the whole like shtick of it all is that it's supposed to be like really intense like you're like deprived of sleep and food and it's like intentional oh. to like it's like industry simulator even though i don't i've never well. experienced that in the industry personally but <laughs> it's just tv <laughs> drama simulator. yeah i know exactly it's just like make people yeah. upset <laughs> um, i was like physically unwell at that point because like you don't really get to eat uh when you need food and you yeah. don't really get to sleep either because you have to be there at like six in the morning. Oh my <laughs> um, god! And you have to be in like camera ready, like full hair and makeup, like warmed up and everything. It's oh, like, so you have to get up uh, even earlier. Than yeah, that. I, th- I was waking up at like four thirty every oh, morning. Wow. And this is why duet round was so absolutely brutal. So after genre round, they do the entire like day, everybody, and then it's like ten o'clock at night when they wrap, and then the judges pick. Um, duet partners out of everybody who's made it through and then you have to like wait in this room and they they film the whole thing and it's like a part of the show and then they they like have these little cards they call your name then you go up and then you take the card with your name on it you flip it over and it has your duet partner that they've assigned you so i like got my duet partner and then they ship you back to the hotel with another film crew and then you have to pick a song from like a list 
And at this point, it's like 1030 at night. And um, you have to pick a song, learn it, arrange it, go into a room with a vocal coach, practice it, get it approved, and then basically practice until you feel like you're ready um, because you have to perform it the next morning. Wow. <laughs> so it's an all-nighter. Yeah. So we were up to like one in the morning and like once I got back to my hotel room, like I still had to shower. So I like showered, went to bed up at 4.30 again. Wow. Like it was not good. Uh, no food either wow. it was <laughs> oh man what song was it for that what round? did we do we did somebody that i used to know yeah and i think honestly i was really proud of that performance i thought it did really well but um yeah unfortunately we both got the boot oh. all that, that work for three seconds of mm-hmm. man, man. <laughs> it is rough. what it is uh, there there's a lot like i'm far from the only person that that has happened to it's just kind of regular they cast way more people than they can show um and a lot of it depends on like whether or not they you have like a story to tell because if you have no story to your thing like unless you've made it like really far they don't there's no reason to like show your performances especially mine because they were pretty mediocre to be honest (laughs) and so what was that like like you get told you know you're booted how did you take it um i mean i was like i was really in it and i was like at that point i'd worked really hard <laughs> it's a really intense experience so i was like i was a little disappointed but yeah and then i went back to my hotel and i was like oh my god i can just like eat now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was like i can get maybe eight hours of sleep before my flight tomorrow oh. it was awesome and then i got to go home and like tell everybody all about it and it was just like because people just had so many questions and oh, I was like sure. here's all of the things and it was crazy and like I, I knew in the back of my mind I was like no way I made it to top 70 with like the most boring story ever no way they're gonna show me so I kind of knew that they weren't gonna do it because I've been on reality TV before I was on America's Got Talent in 2020 oh wow yeah, yeah the same thing happened I got all yeses and they didn't show anything <laughs> damn so in terms of like I guess the experiences between the two shows you mentioned that American Idol, they deprived you of food. Is it similar <laughs> <laughs> over here in America's Got um, Talent? I can't really speak that much on America's Got Talent because they do things a little bit differently. Um, I only was present. It was also March of 2020 when we filmed it. So it was oh my right God. when the pandemic wow. started. Wow. So I went out. Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I went out to L.A. Um, to film America's Got Talent in March of 2020. And... I did the whole audition thing. Um, you know, everything led up to eventually me getting four yeses from the judges. And then, like, you're good. You go home. And then you basically wait for a call for the from the producers to decide if you're one of the people they would like to feature in the show. The judges can say yes to however many people they want. Oh, But okay. they really only have time to show 60. So unlike Idol, who brings everybody back regardless, well, mostly everybody back regardless if they know they want to show you uh got talent is kind of more efficient they're just like we're not going to air it so even though you got all these yeses like you're not we're not going to bring you back basically and that happens with like the majority of the contestants they make it through on got talent i'd say do you see yourself ever trying again um that's a great question uh you know i've done the reality tv thing it really depends what show reaches out and how much I would have to put my life on hold right. for it. And also, <laughs> yeah. just because, like, 
it the odds that you get cast for these shows are so slim and once you're on it the odds that you actually get to reap the benefits of being on it are even slimmer so it's like you're risking so much well i mean i guess not that much you just have to like go experience it and like if you get shown like you know or you don't whatever but um yeah i think it would definitely depend on the show um i'm not opposed to it i would just need more of a uh more of a guarantee that it would actually be like worth my time yeah no i feel that yeah and now so now given that you know this episode is going to be dropping on halloween you know we're trying to bring the spooky vibes (laughs) i know you got a a single that's coming out pretty soon that kind of fits that theme if you want to talk about that yeah it's called cadaver heart um i came up with the concept when i was watching Grey's anatomy and there was an episode and there were cadaver hearts involved Ooh. And for those of you who don't know what a cadaver heart is, it's a heart from a dead body. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and so then I just kind of like came up with like the little idea in my voice notes. I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Like you got a cadaver heart, you're dead inside. Um, yeah, and then I wrote like a fun little breakup song. Uh, it's produced by Alex Olsen, aka Fluency. And it's really dope. I don't have an exact release date at this point in time, but it should be really fun. And I shot some spooky little cover art too, so oh, it'd be very very fitting for the for the spookiness. Nice, yeah. Well, thank you, Anna. Yeah, Thanks thank for you. coming through. Thanks of for having course. this conversation. And for the listeners that are watching, thank you for your support. If you haven't subscribed already, make sure you do that. Hit that thumbs up. Follow us on all social media handles, and catch us next time. Peace. Peace.